So here we are with episode four, the penultimate episode in the miniseries Blackout Time Passes. As per usual, if you've just chanced upon this miniseries like a babe lost in the woods, I would advise you go back in time and back up this feed a bit and start with episode one, Spring. And we'll get to that episode in just one second, but first, let me introduce our cast of characters. We've got our writer and narrator, Alan Graham, her sister Andrea, her mother Beth, her uncle Hank, her husband John, and her son Des. So, let's get started with Blackout Time Passes Episode 4, Winter. I had hope that you know, with the election of Joe Biden, even though it was contested for the for the months following when he was declared the victor, I, I had hoped that that was like the beginning of the end of the nightmare. Instead, it built up into January 6th, where, you know, I can't say I was surprised, but I certainly was shocked by those images of, you know, the Confederate flag being paraded through the Capitol. Um, you know, the, the police being beaten, you know, ass clowns sitting where the vice president sits where the president of the Senate sits, having seemingly no regard for for those sacred institutions. Like when, when I go to the um, state capitol here in Denver, um, you know, if you were to walk, just go there and start walking down the middle aisle to get to the well of the Senate, you get your ass tackled. You know, people would tackle you to the ground because there's a decorum around there, and 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 so January 6th was these these goons coming in who had seemingly no sense for what the institution means and and how how you you should show a degree of reverence because it belongs to all. Of us. Yeah, it belongs to all of us, and and it, but it should be shown with respect. Instead, they're they're in there literally smearing shit on the walls. November 9th, 238,031 deaths, 103,657 new cases yesterday alone. Pfizer announces its new vaccine is 90% effective. November 11th, slept hard and deep, more dreams about being crammed in small spaces with a lot of people, narrow staircases, carnival rides, subway cars. Mum emailed last night about trouble with her teeth. She has pain and swelling and needs two extractions. 
naturally, I think extractions lead to infection, lead to death, or extractions lead to complications of anesthesia that lead to death. So when I woke up between dreams, that train of thought was waiting for me. Andrea called tonight as I was fixing dinner. I could tell she had news to share. She prefaced it by saying the weather and COVID are only going to get worse or something like that. I thought for sure she was going to say they weren't coming, but they are. They are. They're leaving the day before Thanksgiving and should be here five-ish days later. I have to say that the whole, my perspective on the distance thing has been dramatically improved since Billy and I drove (laughs) to see you all. I think seeing you all has been very important. We haven't seen the Scottish family, of course. Um, We try to do a lot of FaceTime and things with them, too. No, it's hard. I I would say overall, I I try not to think about it. Because it's it, it is the it, that is the worst thing. Um, try not to think about it, but because we could drive to see you guys and did so with our crazy early winter camping trip, um, uh, that has helped a lot. We knew we were driving across many states that were in denial, and that it had been politicized and was the rhetoric at least was ugly so yeah billy wondered if we should have plates you know for wherever we were (laughs) to sort of go incognito we of course didn't do that and in the end it wasn't an issue i mean we saw a lot of people not wearing masks in some states but people just people left us alone as we wore our masks and people were mostly at like rest areas and things they were all wearing masks as well so November 12th. Headlines. Trump rebuffs Biden transition team as virus national security hang in the balance. Cracks emerge in the GOP support for Trump's unfounded fraud claims. No, there's not a lot of good evidence behind the Trump lawsuits. Last week, the U.S. reported more than 100,000 cases of COVID in a single day for the first time. Today, there were 160,000 cases. November 13th. Friday the 13th. Eight months ago today, Des had his last day of school at the actual school. It was iron gray, wintry, snow flurries. Miss G and I went for coffee and she clasped my dry reptilian hands in her dewy soft ones. And already that felt subversive because we knew what had happened in Italy and what was beginning to happen in New York. But that wave, that crushing imminent tsunami took this long to arrive. Just in the past week, we reached the threshold of the worst-case scenario. Maybe we can still avoid crossing into it. November 15th. A heavy-handed dream about murder hornets. There was a vaccine against its venom, but I hadn't gotten it yet, and at several points in the dream, a hornet flew close, dark red and clumsy and unbelievably loud. It sounded like a human scream. I was terrified. Couldn't decide whether to be still or stand up and, with calm, judicious movements, try to evade it. November 17th. Yesterday there was a fox in the backyard. Bright orange hair, slim black legs, plumy tail. 
trotting delicately across the yard, nosing the half-devoured pumpkin, boring holes in the powdery November dirt. Today I got a call from Chris. Rose M., bright-eyed, tiny little Rose with her robust laugh, who hollered, EKG, down the long gray hallways when she saw me, who gave Des a rubber ducky that was heat-sensitive so it would warn you if the bathwater was too hot, has died at 63 from COVID-19. Which day was her death among the daily death totals? A weird, funny, generous, brilliant, kind woman. November 19th. Trump is wooing Republican state legislators, trying to convince them to trash their state's election results and appoint Trump-friendly electors. The Colorado Elections Office fielded a thousand calls from Trump supporters today, demanding Colorado not certify the votes. Rudy Giuliani held a press conference where he talked up Trump's case and quoted my cousin Vinny, and at one point a dark trickle of hair dye dripped down his sunken, bronzed cheek. November 20th. One of 43 Coloradans are contagious right now. John has a sore throat. Governor Polis called a special session to begin on November 30th so the General Assembly can create a COVID relief package. November 22nd. The seasons change. They change. They move inexorably forward. I was filled with unbearable tenderness last night thinking of Des turning 12. 12. This gentle human, this light of my life, one of my favorite people to talk to, to spend time with, is turning 12. John and I walked to Garland Park today, and the route there is almost unbearable for all the little specific concrete memories it elicits. All those times we went down those streets, Des and I. Why can't nostalgia be pleasant? I always think about it in vivid shades of color, like in the movie Inside Out. A bright yellow, sunshiny memory dunked into a tub of dirty blue, rendering it all sad simply because it's past. November 23rd. A few more minutes of darkness every morning, the backyard cold and dark and still, the only brightness the white disk of ice that John pried out of the birdbath yesterday and dropped in the grass. Trump has not conceded, but as of this afternoon, Emily Murphy of the General Services Administration executed a heretofore obscure task known as ascertainment, whereby the official transition of power can begin. I spent a lot of time looking at Miss Murphy's wide, soft face with her heavy, dark glasses frames, her yellow hair styled into a neat bob. Such a rage that soft, plump, pleasant face lit in me. No, she's just another white lady I feel sorry for. November 28th. A walk around the neighborhood in the late afternoon. North-facing sidewalks still icy. South-facing sidewalks dry. Dirty leaves, dead lawns. Lawns comprised of weedy clumps and nothing else. Neighbors here and there hanging Christmas lights. The soft hum of those inflatable decorations. A squirrel with a Santa hat. Snowman. Reindeer. Sadness at not being happy about the upcoming visit. Why? A part of me just wants rambling, empty free time forever, with no obligations to anyone, nothing to accomplish or even enjoy. Just a succession of sleep, eat, exercise, read, write, say nothing, do nothing. Perhaps my ability to accommodate people is impaired. Perhaps my desire to do so is impaired. 
I guess the main thing we thought as we left New Jersey, because because we were under two week quarantine, so we knew that as soon as we crossed the state line, um, we would have to spend two weeks completely isolated when we got back. So that was weird. Like here we go, <laughs> um, and indeed we we isolated for two weeks before we left. And then we left and we camped most of the way and then stayed in that Airbnb, right? Um, We stayed in motels on the way back because it was getting really cold and we weren't feeling tough enough to camp. But then when we got back here, we isolated again for two weeks. So the whole thing to spend, were we in Denver for eight days, maybe 10 days? Um, It was like an eight week it was like an eight-week experience <laughs> because of the having to lock down either side. Andrea, my older daughter, came, and I remember that because she did not come in our house. She had come from New Jersey. She did not stay in our house. And we visited either on the patio, if it was five, oh, I don't know, early enough and maybe 50-some degrees. And then on the cold days, we had the sheepskins out there which were somewhat inadequate, but we had them anyway to kind of drape around to try and stay warm. So we got together. I mean, they were here for, I guess, almost two weeks, and we got, she came by every day, and except maybe a day when it was really extremely cold, too cold to sit outside. So, you know, that was kind of difficult, but no hugs, no breathing the same air. But... Everybody stayed well. Well, um, when the weather was pleasant, we visited them in the heat of the day, the December heat of the day, but it would still be pleasant enough. And we would have lunch outside together. Um, That was just like chili picnics of any era, I suppose. But when it was really cold and we didn't want to ask, especially Faye, to go outside, um, we would sit at the back door and talk through the glass and Billy started calling those like prison visits. It really did feel, (laughs) it did feel a little bit like that. But it was still remarkably good. November 30th, Andrea and Billy pulled up right at the end of my 3.30 meeting. So odd to see them in three dimensions. So odd to not hug, to awkwardly bump feet, to huddle around the propane fire pit in in the snowy backyard drinking Prosecco. It got stone cold around 5.15, so they left for dinner on their own. They are here, but not quite here, somehow. But Des played a vigorous game of badminton on the sodden, icy ground and looked very happy. John at the Capitol all day today for a special session. It's after 9 p.m. and he's still gone. When I last checked the live stream, a Republican, whose name I've forgotten, was railing against the government. All four quarterbacks on the Broncos were deemed unable to play yesterday due to COVID exposure. They ended up pulling in a guy who played quarterback for Wake Forest five or more years ago and who until recently was working a regular job. They picked him, gave him three to four hours of practice, then suited him up and put him on the field as a starter against the Saints. Broncos lost 31-3, but I was impressed by that guy, Kendall Hinton who was given a task doomed to monumental failure and performed it on national TV. To be clear, it was a monumental failure. 
It was an abject, crushing loss. But there is something deeply honorable about showing up and going through the fruitless motions anyway. December 2nd, frigid day. Walked around the neighborhood with Andrea and Billy, passing notable California contemporary houses in Crisana Park, as well as the primary color houses from a box with their plain siding, square windows, dead center doorways. 273,321 dead from the coronavirus. Dr. Fauci joined Governor Polis at the coronavirus briefing yesterday and said that he expected healthy people in their 20s and 30s will be getting vaccinated by April. Could this be true? A bleak few months loom for sure, but that gives me the possible finish line I've been craving. December 8th. On Sunday, we had Christmas in the parents' sunny backyard. Around 60 degrees, no wind, bluebird sky. Christmas pie and cranberries and rolls served one by one by mum stationed at the dining table in the sunroom. Then each plate passed to me just outside the screen door. Then I delivered each person's food. Apparently it can be transmitted by serving utensils, which seems so absurd, but... December 11th. Walk in Roxborough today. Cold with the steady light snow that audibly pinged against our coats. No one else was there other than the park rangers. On the path were the footprints of a bow-legged individual, and we walked in the footprints, matching up the soles of our boots, and our knees immediately rebelled. That walker before us was very bow-legged indeed. Sad to say goodbye to Andrea and Billy, not knowing when we'll see them again. When they left, Billy had the window down despite the cold and waved and waved until they were down the block, out of sight. Supreme Court declined to hear a lawsuit brought by the state of Texas against the four states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, that handed the election to Joe Biden. In response to the Supreme Court, the Texas GOP proposed secession. Go for it. December 14th. Joe Biden officially won the Electoral College today. We inch further toward the beginning of the end of Trumpism. Though I acknowledge Trumpism could continue for a long, long time. Biden gave a good speech full of short declarative sentences that Trump should be able to understand. Has a president-elect ever given a speech on Electoral College Victory Day? I doubt it. I hope to never hear such a speech again. December 15th. News stories all day of people being vaccinated across the United States. It is stunning to contemplate how we ended up here. According to what I read, John and I should be eligible for a vaccine sometime in the early summer. The futility of being in theater, I feel it, like something has been amputated, like I've been separated from a vital part of myself, my daemon and his dark materials. December 17th. 310,500 people died from COVID-19. That number does not penetrate. 310,500 is an entire city vaporized, thousands and thousands of square miles of rural farmland wiped clean of people. December 18th. A dream about the theater last night, a spin on dinner theater where occasionally everyone would have to stand up and race to another table, like musical chairs. During happy hour, Andrea and Billy told me of the, of the motel where they stayed just outside of Columbus, where someone called the cops because a woman was practicing witchcraft in one of the rooms. December 19th. This evening, Mum came by and sat in our living room for the first time in forever. 
We wore masks when we weren't sipping our glog. The sunset was vivid colors on top of a dark mass of clouds. Went downtown to see the mile-high tree, a huge conical tree comprised of lights that were constantly changing. All blue to rainbow to rings of color moving up to smears of color dripping down. It was crowded, more people than we've seen in months. Almost everyone masked, but not at much of a distance. Larimer Square is closed to cars and diners sit outside in tents or in the open air beside tall propane heaters or fire pits with their weirdly pale, too cool flames. It was bright and cheerful. People seemed happy. It felt like Christmas. Tonight in the bathtub, I read about a new strain of COVID that is much more contagious than the others. This mutation has wiped out almost all other strains in short order. London now locked down again for two weeks. No one can come in. No one can go out. December 20th. Saw Joey today in the King Sleepers parking lot. He was at the wheel of his same old Ford sedan, and I was on foot, carrying a bag full of treats for the pets, snacks for Hazel and Victoria, a willow ball, and some bathing sand for Cortland. It was good to see him. I reached into the open window and squeezed his shoulder. He bent his neck to kiss my hand, which made me nervous because my hand was bare, and I had just been out in the world shopping for over an hour. God knows what lurked on my hand. December 21st. Went over to Ruby Hill tonight to view the great conjunction, Jupiter and Saturn appearing to touch in the sky. So close they looked like one enormous star. The wise men possibly saw this over Bethlehem and took it for the harbinger of you-know-who. We could see it with the naked eye, Jupiter very bright, then a hair's breadth of darkness, then smaller, warmer Saturn. But through the telescope we could see, in a single view, the golden glow of Saturn's rings, the dark striations on Jupiter, and three bright pinpoints, three of Jupiter's moons. Very sweet that so many humans crowd at the top of the hill to look up at the hazy, light-polluted sky on an abnormally warm solstice, the snow melting beneath our feet. December 22nd. Exhausted this morning, like I spent the night crying. I actually just slept poorly. Sadness. Paralysis about this new strain of coronavirus. What if the vaccine doesn't work against it? What if there will be mutation after mutation, wave after wave, no immunity ever acquired. There is still a possibility this could be the end. Permanent dramatic transformation of humanity's existence on this earth. A long walk in Rocky Mountain National Park, around Bear Lake, then up the Fern Lake Trail, almost to Pika Rock. It was cold and windy and the clouds rushed by. As we approached the point where the trail abruptly turns from west to north, the landscape opened up a little and the wind roared out. Erasing the trail, footsteps, everything, with a fine skiff of snow. We got off the trail once, and it was getting on toward 2 p.m., so I began to get nervous, seeing headlines about three people frozen to death. We didn't. On the last bit of the Bear Lake Loop, we came across a bride and groom-to-be, all decked out, coatless and sleeveless in her case, the icy wind blowing fine snow across the frozen lake as they hooked arms, gazed at each other, walked down the trail towards the photographer. We saw another bride and groom in the parking lot, walking toward the trailhead, laughing. The bride wore a fur stole that looked real. December 28th. 
a hilarious dream where I was working in a big gray office and had been tasked with interviewing a job candidate who was Donald Trump. As the interview time approached, a bomb went off. The sight of Trump lying on the floor of a dreary conference room, his startled face, was deeply satisfying. Out of obligation, I asked, Mr. Trump, are you okay? He did not reply. 333,242 dead. I was sad this evening, and so was Des. Every night is the same since quarantine, he said. It's like the nights have been cloned. December 29th, a crowd of jam-packed disorderly dreams, including one where I was driving a bus 15 stories tall, so tall I couldn't really see the streets I was driving on. I knew I was killing people down below me, but soldiered on, left turn, right turn, through the roundabout. A thin layer of powdery snow on the ground. The neighbor's bright icicle Christmas lights fill me with joy every morning. I wish we could leave our Christmas tree up for the rest of the pandemic. Can it be nearly a year ago that Des had to go to bed early because he was sick and John and I watched Hustlers? That was New Year's Eve. John and I caught Des's cold a week later, the last time we were sick. No plane travel for a year, no theater since March, no movies since when. I'm not sure what movie we saw last. Every time I walk by Merrill, I feel that parallel universe shiver. This will end, I know, I know. But we are in a tough eddy right now. December 31st. Last day of the year. I know months, days, hours, minutes, seconds have a degree of apparent arbitrariness, people imposing their will on nature, but the earth still turns and orbits the sun, humans or no humans. Time passes. Time passes. Every moment of this waning day seems overfreighted with meaning. Why did she spend the final hours of this historic year reading erotica on the internet instead of writing heartfelt thank you letters to people familiar and celebrated as she had contemplated doing? Liz Brown, Tony Kushner, Namali Serpel, whose book The Old Drift I just finished, Susan Purdy, who wrote the high-altitude baking book I love. Why did she nap, make brownies, bother reading about Trump's continuing campaign to bully himself into a second term? Indeed. We went to my parents today to help them set up the new TV, had an eggnog to toast Mitch McConnell. My mother raised her glass and said, may he rot in hell. At 11.20 p.m., after an evening of D&D and karaoke, I was brushing my teeth and Des moved in for a hug. Finally, he said, I'm really glad this year is over. January 3rd. A good day. Exercise in the sun, read my difficult book, some fan fiction, dinner, Broncos almost win but ultimate loss, finished final draft of the Pika play and sent it off, wrote thank you cards, watched A Letter to Three Wives, an excellent viewing. Des is supposed to start school at the end of January, but that seems impossible. How will we wedge ourselves back into a regimented schedule again? I've not set my alarm in nearly a year. Looking at Anne Southern's dress in the movie, Long and inky black, heavy and rich, the way it moved around her calves and ankles as she walked almost made my mouth water, wanting to wear something beautiful and walk through a crowded room. January 4th. So yes, Trump is on tape asking the Georgia Secretary of State to come up with 11,870 votes for him, else he, the Secretary of State, will have a criminal case brought against him. 
Trump suggested that Secretary of State could explain this all away by saying he recalculated and magically arrived at a number just one vote higher than the number that Biden received. And yes, Trump refuses to believe that he lost Georgia because the rallies he held in the state were so well attended. And yes, 11 senators or maybe 12, along with a slew of House Republicans, will challenge the certification of the votes on Wednesday. But the fact remains that when Dez sleepwalked into our room last night, he gently tangled his fingers in my hair, then took my hand, kissed it, before going back into his room. January 6th, Epiphany. The traditional Graham take down the Christmas tree day, so I did my job alone around 10 p.m. and fast. I already miss it as I sit on the sofa writing, nothing to gaze at but the director's chair, clumsily draped with my weighted blanket. Turned on the TV today to watch the Electoral College votes be certified by Congress, a normally procedural event, but this year a certain number of Republicans were set to object on the basis of fraud, so we thought we should watch for the sake of what? History? As it turned out, what was expected to be a lengthy day of bloviating politicians ended up being, well... For weeks, Trump has been exhorting his followers to go to D.C. on the 6th. So last night, MAGA cultists started arriving. Today, there was a stage and a jumbotron set up near the White House. The setup for a rally. Protesters gathered there. Trump spoke to the crowd from behind a panel of bulletproof, COVID-proof, glass, and said his usual crazy shit and encouraged them to march to the U.S. Capitol, so they did. Not sure the count, but they looked to be tens of thousands. More Trump flags and Blue Lives Matter flags than U.S. flags, marching in their red caps toward the Capitol. The Capitol building was breached by the crowd by about 12.30 Mountain Standard Time. People scaling the building, stone walls, shattering the windows with riot gear and climbing in. They flooded Statuary Hall, onto the floor of the Senate. Some guy took a selfie sitting in McConnell's seat. Another asshole, leering, sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office with his big shit kickers up on the desk. A man hoisting a huge Confederate flag and walking down a beautiful hallway with crown molding and gold-framed portraits of white men on the walls. I feel actual nausea looking at it, fear for all those elderly politicians, even the ones I hate, because all it would take would be a hard shove to the marble floor to kill someone. Mike Pence wrote a letter to Trump this morning indicating he intended to follow the Constitution, so Trump lambasted him on Twitter, and a few minutes later, angry, dirty white men were swaggering to the U.S. Capitol, and I who detest Mike Pence, mind you, had a sudden vision of them finding him, beating him to death with their fists and feet, killing him like that mob killed Muammar Gaddafi. And it made me physically sick to think of Mike Pence dying that way. Eventually, the Capitol Police secured the building. The members of Congress had been hunkered down in the tunnels under the Capitol. Biden spoke and was fucking perfect as he has been lately. Shortly thereafter, Trump released a video to Twitter where he essentially repeated false claims about the election and told the protesters they were very special. The video was almost immediately pulled by Twitter because it violated their terms of use. Later this afternoon, Twitter suspended his account. During Trump's speech, Ossoff declared the winner in Georgia, so Dems take the Senate. John shared that yesterday was a record day for COVID deaths, 3,700 in a day. Tonight, Congress resumed their electoral vote counting. Originally, 12 senators were going to object, but six changed their minds. But lies about the election continue in both chambers of Congress. Epiphany. Epiphany. 
that really pissed me off was that insurrection and that they weren't better prepared uh, and weren't paying attention to kind of what was going on. And uh, now Pence, Pence tried to do something. And oh, that was a total uh, no-no for me, the way Trump turned on Pence. That was, that showed exactly what kind of a person he is. I just thought it was all a stupid idea that the election wasn't fair. Um, and I couldn't believe that it was dragging out to this thing. It, it was, it was, a, it was, it was dragged out to the extent where you're having people be, be terrorists because their favorite person didn't win president and that kind of shook me so, you say, so it shook you so yeah, can you describe your emotions a little bit even a little bit more so you were like when watching on tv you felt is it i'm like oh i shocked i was shocked um i, I didn't know what uh, the heck was happening um and I kind of wish I did. I kind of wish I had control over it, but I didn't. And uh, I'm like, oh gosh, this, um, this could could be could be bad. And I mean, at that moment, I didn't realize what I was witnessing because when you're in it, you're you don't realize it that how historical it is, and uh, or or how historical in a good way or a bad way it is. So, uh, I, w I was just like, we gotta get out of this, and I hope nobody important is killed. I hope Mike Pence isn't killed, even though I don't, I, I don't like him, but he was doing doing his his job, and uh, I I just hope it doesn't get worse, because it can always be worse. I think the most depressing thing. It's not so much the the assault on the Capitol, but the political leader's response to that. That should have been the end. Instead, they we had certain leaders and elected officials in both the House and Senate in the United States continuing to try to perpetuate the lie that the election was stolen. The people who support those elected officials will call themselves American. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Because they, we, we've obviously, they, they have no, are little to no regard for democracy. You know, I used to think that the the biggest concern facing our country was how money and big money was corrupting politics. Now, I don't even feel, I don't even feel like, now I feel like the biggest concern is us losing our democracy, our ability to vote, our ability to have fair elections. It's incredible. In the United States of America, we have 
the, you know, in the United States of America, we, we may lose that. Blackout Time Passes is written and produced by Ellen Graham and co-produced by me, Josh Madison. I also provided sound design and some editing. Ellen Graham writes plays, screenplays, and narrative nonfiction. Her work has been produced in Chicago, Columbus, New York City, and in her hometown of Denver. That's here, where she's worked with many companies, including Buntport and Toto2, Benchmark, Pandemic Collective, Paragon, and the Denver Center. She is the founder of Feral Assembly, a resident playwright and programming curator at Theater 29 Denver, a co-founder of Shocking Beyond Belief Films, and a member of the Dramatist Guild of America. To learn more about Ellen and her work, please visit www.feralassembly.com. And if you'd like to get a hold of us here at the show or anything else, you know Low Orbit is on all the social media places you'd expect. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at Low Orbit Podcast. And we'll be back next week with the fifth and final episode of Blackout Time Passes, Spring. <laughs>